The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. As I was doing that, I was like, how do I look cool to my wife? And she was like, I don't know, maybe walk by the camera. So that was me walking by the camera. Maybe one of the more embarrassing things. What I think is crazy is that is probably exactly how that conversation went down. It it was. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're back. It's Monday. Chris Sims unbuttoned. Ahmed Farid is here. He is looking cool stationary today, not walking by the camera. Don't need to move. Way to go. You the man. How are you? Doing good? I'm doing good. Yeah? I'm doing better. I heard you had a rough weekend. It was a little weird. It got weird. Little little vaccination. I got shot number two. Right. Moderna. I'm a Moderna guy. You're a Moderna guy. I've embraced it. You know, Pfizer seems cooler. Which one's the one shot? Johnson and Johnson, which has got questions. My wife got that, right. and then like a week later, they were like, "We can't give this anymore." She's alive still, though. She's alive. Okay, she's good. doing well. Good it, to it, hear. It was rough for a few days. So here's the tweet, uh, I because I wanted to promote myself that I went and got a shot. I think that's very brave of me, and so I tweeted it out. And then uh, a day later, I said, "Update: uh, Feeling like complete garbage for America." Yeah. So I did that for America. Good. And it did. It was uh, it was 24 hours of not feeling that. That great. My arm hurt. I had aches all over my body. Um, but I think I compared it to, you know, those shows that were like scared straight where they'd send like a like a teenager to jail for a day. Right. And they'd be like, I don't want to yeah. go to jail. And so right. they just didn't do anything bad right. from that point forward. Right. I think that's what the second shot is like for me. It's like it showed me what it would be like to get coronavirus. And, and now I'm like, scared straight. You're like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> exactly. I'm glad I was like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. Right. Although now that I have two shots, yeah. I think in another 12 days, I'll be like fully immune. Right. Like fully vaccinated. Yeah. I've been a big time mask guy. Right. Big time mask guy. You're feeling wearing, better about it. I'm, I think I might become a non-mask guy. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to start, you know, like the walk between my car and the supermarket. I'm not going to wear a mask oh, anymore. Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, I know here in Connecticut, they've they've ended that, right? Where outside, you don't need a mask outside, anymore. Outside, you don't need it. Right. So that was nice. I went to my little boy's flag football game yesterday, yeah. and it was nice to be out there and, like, see smiling faces. And, like, yeah. hey, how you doing? Right. And haven't seen your mouth in three years. Great to see you. <laughs> I don't know if you were motherfucking me underneath that mask or smiling at me, but now <laughs> yeah. I know. you got to uh, cover up with her hand now. But it, it is nice. I So I, like... I, have to, I haven't got my vaccination yet. You're still zero shots in. I am one of those in. guys, right? You're waiting. You're waiting. I, I really am waiting. It's not mm-hmm. like I'm an anti, like, don't get the vaccine kind of guy. Right. But I am, I guess there's, I'm one of those that's cautious. One, I feel like, hey, I'm 40. I'm kind of healthy. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted just to let it play out a little yeah. bit. 
Like, I wanted to see if you would keeled over and died in the next week I, and, and I just kind of gather information from that. That's yeah. really what I was kind of doing. Well, and, and, and at some how point, many people without a spleen, like, seriously, have gotten the vaccine? You know, I, there are certain things for each person where you're like, all right, I'm a little different than most people. Yeah, I, all that Concerns. has come into my mind. Um, you know, so, so like, with my, and in, in my, you know, of course, my no spleen thing is a real thing, too. Now, yeah. it's a virus and not bacterial, so it's not okay. as, like, harmful the fact that I don't have my spleen as compared to, like, in a bacteria infection, right? Okay. That would be more the issue. But, yeah, I've been one of those that's kind of been waiting it out. But I'm not going to lie. Like, I feel the pressure. Like, no joke. Yeah. I feel that everywhere I go, it's like, did you get the vaccine? Did you get the vaccine? Did you get the vaccine? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you didn't? Oh. Do you have to then tell them that you usually vote uh, Democrat? Like, do they assume things about you I, that you don't like? I, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, no vacciners right now are Republicans, though. I know. So it's I, very that's, split. That's like, weird. if I go no mask, right. I'm going to have to wear a sign that says I am politically independent. Don't assume things about me just because don't assume, I'm not. Right. Just because you can right. see my mouth right now, don't assume things about so me. So I'm going to have to do it here, though, in the next few weeks for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm alive. Yeah. I'm right. good. You're here. Now you're good to go. Okay, good. So I've, I've proven that it's Thank safe you. and effective. And yep. we're going to get we're gonna get through this thing very quickly. Now, I did have my own medical issues this weekend, as you've heard oh no i mean fucking pulled my calf muscle man like i'm officially an old man athlete i'm that's an old dad athlete 100 that's what it is i can remember in tampa jeff garcia pulled his calf muscle one year in training camp and i remember making fun of him because he was like 36 or 37 yeah. like oh you got an old man injury yeah. that stinks and then I just, I can't believe it. It's totally killed me. Like, I can't walk. I'm like, I'm just taking half steps everywhere because my calf How do you pull muscle. it on a trail? Like, what are you, just getting out I know. I was tight down there before I started. Yeah. I got really warm. I thought I just cramped up, like, in the middle of the run. I got off. I, like, tried to stretch it for a second. I was like, man, it's not really stretching. I don't know what's the deal here. But I wasn't, like, in pain. I got back on the treadmill thinking, okay, I should be good. And I took a few steps, and I was like, whoa. Yeah. Like, I could tell I couldn't do anything. So. You know, yeah, you know you're old when you start stretching. Before, yeah. Like, the, the guys that I see stretching before they play softball, I'm like, right. eh, that guy's old because right. he's had some issues. I thought the most surprising thing about you telling that story on PFT was you told it to Mike Florio. And you go, you go have you ever pulled your calf? And he just immediately responds yes. multiple times, right. like multiple times. Right. And the show just continued like nothing had happened right there. <laughs> I am guessing that there are professional athletes who run for a living at high speeds yes. who have never pulled their calf muscle. Well, yes. Yet Mike Florio, broadcaster, right. former lawyer, right. has pulled it multiple times in his well, life. Well, yeah, there's correlation there. Athletes muscles don't pull non-athletes <laughs> who are running and doing things they shouldn't it pulls and mike florio is that second classification of people there yeah no I feel, doubt I feel bad for him Pete wants me to explain my sprint workout okay so like i'm a i'm a sprint i don't jog i don't do any of that right so I'm, I'm not a jogger i go out i get really warm i do those type of things and then i run 40s or 60s or 80s or 100s and do stuff like that so treadmill sprint workout like I gradually go up as I get warm and get hot, but I, I, I go max speed, 12.5 miles per hour. Okay. And then I usually have some sort of incline to go with it. Nothing like huge. Yep. I was doing 3% incline. And I do, uh, Saturday I was doing 10 seconds on, 20 seconds off. 10 seconds on, 20 seconds off. And then if High I feel intensity like intensity interval training. Right, exactly right. And I feel like I get tired, then maybe I take 30 seconds off yeah. in between, whatever. But... Well, Damn. so guess what? You will never do that again. It's Probably it. It's over. Doubt it. Now you're a jogger. Doubt it. Uh, okay, so that was our weekend. <laughs>
old man we, weekend. Weekends for a, a couple 40-year-olds. Um, now we're getting back into football. And there was another person. So what we're going to do here on this podcast, we got to talk about some fast dudes. Yeah. Some guys that really do run fast Ooh. for 10 seconds. Yeah. DK Metcalf did that. Um, we're also going to take a look back at some of the teams that excelled at running the ball, passing the ball, and see from what they've done this year in the offseason and in the draft, who's most likely to replicate that, who's yeah. going to fall out, who's going to jump into the top five. Yeah, cool. So we'll see which teams have made improvements and which teams have gone backwards and some Ask Me Anything if we have time at the end of the pod. But let's get into the fast dude. DK Metcalf ran in the track and field Golden Games right here on NBC right. over the weekend and 100-meter dash, 100 dash, excuse me. 10.37 seconds. Now, yeah. he finished last in his heat. We're showing it now on YouTube if you're watching. He finished last. He's the tall guy. They're in lane number two, and he's falling behind as the race goes on. He, he kept up for most of it. No doubt. Right at the end there against guys who are, what, way shorter and probably 60 to 70 pounds lighter. For the most part. And he kept up with them, didn't beat them, but was right there with him. I mean, Impressive. well, he, he's, a, he's a world-class athlete. I mean, it's like what we've talked about ever since he came out of the draft. I mean, uh, yeah, did not embarrass himself by any stretch of the imagination. I, I didn't even understand. Like, I felt like some people were, like, trying to say, like, he, was embar- he should be embarrassed by what he did yesterday on social media, a little bit of that. I was like, what? <laughs> like, what, what did you expect? Did you really think he was going to win the race? Yeah, he's never really like done that, that before. No. These are professional athletes. And it's not all about being fast. It's technique and getting out of the blocks and That's knowing how to run the race. Right. It's way more scientific than people realize when it's your job and, like, when you're a sprinter. I mean, yeah, these guys have, like, of course, lived that life as far as training precisely for that and only that. You know, for the last eight, ten years of their life, DK Metcalf isn't getting to do that stuff. You know, as an NFL wide receiver, yeah, you want to do sprint work and be explosive, but there also has to be a balance of like, wait, I need to be big enough and strong enough to go over the middle and take hits and take the pounding in the season. And then I got to have some endurance, right? I can't just be like, oh, I ran as fast as I can, and now, uh, hey, coach, I'm going to be out for four or five minutes, and then I'll come back in and let me know then, let me recharge. So there has to be endurance training to go on top of that, which, of course, hurts their ultimate top-end speed because you're training to be like that too. So uh, he is one of those guys, a handful of guys in the NFL where you just go, if at 17 years old he decided he wanted to be in the Olympics, he could do it. And like you said, I mean, he's just got into this here recently. He wasn't going all in and being like, let me cut weight and like get a, let me hire a personal (laughs) trainer and go all in on like every step of the race and things like that. And, yeah, for his size and the fact that he hasn't done it, that's, it was amazing. Well, really football was. players have the added weight. They have the thigh pads, knee pads. You have the shoulder pads. You have the helmet on there, too. And there is a difference, I think, between fast, like off the field, and game speed fast. Yeah. Like, did you play with any players who maybe excelled on the field? Where you're like, you're not even that fast, but when you get on the field and you're playing, it's just like you go to another level. The first guy I think of is Rondé Barber. Yeah, there's something about play speed. Play speed, one, in the fact of, like, hey, this guy can carry the weight of the equipment, like you're mentioning, yeah. and it doesn't seem to affect him. And then, two, whatever it is, play in the game, the guy gets faster. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't think or whatever it is. It's just there's something more – there's something to that where a guy is like – you're like, I always just look at Rondé and be like, man, I think you could barely beat me in a race. But then he'd be out there on Sunday 
covering receivers in the slot, running yeah. up the sideline with them and doing everything like that to where I don't know what it is. The competition allowed him to unlock another gear he had or whatever. I don't know what it is. But, yeah, it's uh, it's a rare guy that's that way. And DK Metcalf is kind of like both. He's, mm, he's yeah. special from that aspect of where – he has a little bit of that track speed, yet it translates to the field, and he can carry that weight of the uniform. All right, so it got us thinking. It's my favorite TV segment. That got us thinking, and it also got A.A. Ron thinking. Yeah. He goes, would Raheem Mostert beat D.K. Metcalf in the 100-meter race? Yes, yes. That's where the other thing, too, I want to go like, you know, D.K. I know had the great play last year. I, I don't know by any stretch of the imagination does anybody think D.K. Metcalf's the fastest guy in the NFL. So that's the first thing you got to say. Awesome. One of the freakiest athletes in the NFL. Certainly towards the top of the list, like yeah. he's up there. Speed, size, ratio, probably number Bro, one. Might be number one, right. But I don't know if, like, I don't know of anybody that's going to just go, oh, he's definitely the fastest guy. No, Mozart is ex- without a doubt. I mean, example one and two, or prime example one, are Mozart and Tyree Kill. I mean, I yeah. don't think anybody's going to go away from those two. And yes, I'm going to take Mozart. You know, in a 100-meter dash, one, by what I see on the field, two, he's got a track background, and three, you know, back to the point again, he's got the sprinter body. He's 198 pounds and, what, 5'10". You know, most sprinters, when you see them in person, that's why Usain Bolt was such a weird thing. He's 6'4"? What? We've never seen one that big. It's usually 5'10", 5'11", right in that wheelhouse that maximizes their ability to turn over. Yeah, DK ran a 4-3-3 at the Combine, apparently. So some of these guys ran faster at the Combine. So John Ross yeah. is a guy super fast. Sure. Hasn't translated into a good football <laughs> career so far. Yeah. But he's a guy that could probably beat DK Metcalf in a race. Here are some of the, if you're seeing on YouTube, some of the fastest 40-yard dash times. These are the actual fastest of active players. John Ross, number one. Marquise Goodwin, number two. Yeah, that, Henry Ruggs, three, number three. They can fly those top four. Uh, Javelin Guidry, I was looking him up. He undrafted out of Utah. Right. Cornerback, played, I think, 11 games for the Jets last year. He's up there, too. Dean. Jamel Dean Jamel can fly. Dean I mean, you Bucks. can see that coming out of Auburn and, of course, on the Bucks. He's a good man-to-man cover corner. Goes to show you how good of athletes we're talking about here in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> no, it does. Fast and physical. Well, I mean, Marquise Goodwin has been in the Olympics, so that just tells you. Right. I mean, he's that type right. of athlete. There, there's no doubt. Yeah, those are some of the ones that jump up to your mind, like, right off the bat. Uh, I think Tyreek Hill leads that list there. You know, and again, all those guys are, again, that sprinter size that makes sense. Fastest guys I ever played with, Chris Johnson, CJ2K, 5'11", 195, 198. Yeah. Joey Galloway, 5'11", 198. Same kind of guy, made to sprint, made to be that type of guy. So that's why it's also cool with DK Metcalf. It's rare to be, like, one of the fastest guys in football and be 6'4 and 230, like you're saying. All right, so let's put you on the spot yeah, here. Yeah, Without the ball in their hands. No ball in your hands. This is just straight track. 40-yard dash, 100-meter dash. Let's make a 100-meter dash. Who's winning in the NFL? I'm going to go with Mozart. Right now, just again, from what I saw on the field last year, mm-hmm. all right, and we didn't get like maybe the Tyree kill big time, got to go around the edge untouched and really got to turn it on last year. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to say Mozart can beat out Tyree kill by the slimmest of margins. Okay. And really, the another one that I think people are sleeping on that I'm going to put right up there with it is Terry McLaurin mm. from Washington. Yeah. To me, 
that's another guy, and I can't remember what his 40 time coming out at the combine. I want to say he ran 4-3 something uh, like that at the combine as well. But he would be another guy to, that jumps out to me on film. When he takes off, I go, ooh, he looks different than the other fast guys, guys in football like some of these guys were explaining. So he's 4-3-5 at the combine, Terry McLaurin. He yeah. was sandbagging it. He can do better so, than that. How dare he? <laughs> um, any other ones that okay. jump out to you? No. So, uh, so I think that's a good representation of the players that would be best without a ball in their hands. But, you know, you play football with a ball in your hands. And so, Nicole, I think we have the graphic for the fastest plays last year, 2020. Oh, dumb ball I carriers. I want to guess these. I want to guess these. I'm not even going to look yet. Okay, don't good, look. Good, good. Good job taking it off, Nicole. Way don't to go. Look. Nicole, put I it up look. and took it away. I didn't look. So who do you think was uh, at the – these are ball carriers. They had to have the ball in their hand. Ball in their hand. So Mozart's one. I would got to think Mostert's won with either that touchdown pass early in the year mm-hmm. or the Jets run play that he ran for 80-yard touchdown. I believe, and I don't know either, I think, and Pete says yes, confirms one and one two. And two. Right, yes, he had the Cardinals play the first game of the year where he ran that little choice route of the backfield, ran right up the middle for a long touchdown. So there you go. Mostert. So, yeah, it's looking like the answer to my question of who's the fastest with the ball is going to be the same as who's the fastest without the ball. Now, now. But this who is, else is Yeah, now this is where it gets interesting to Number me. Number two is a, is a shock to it me. Is a shocking yes is it a running back or a receiver running back it is a running back yep okay I'm gonna go with the big guy Derrick Henry was not Derrick Henry is it Dalvin Cook was not Dalvin Cook although in previous years he has been up there okay last year was not one of those years go with it give me a Kenyon Drake Kenyon Drake and it wasn't necessarily a really long run it's like a 50 yard run something like that oh it was 69 yards yeah but I don't call a long run unless it's 70. So, six, no. So, it wasn't free thought. <laughs> That's, that is surprising. Isn't it? Yes, it is. Which makes me believe, which makes me believe that if these running backs really did mostly get ahead of steam, healthy, fully healthy, and like Delvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, maybe even Christian McCaffrey, yeah, yeah. they probably all could be up there. Not to take anything away from Kenyon Drake, but no. I'm guessing they all could put up pretty similar numbers to what he did with the ball. I, I would I would think, you think I would think close. I would, yes. You know, I mean, first off, I think sprinting wise, without a ball and you put them on a yeah a track like I think those guys are close to some of these top speed guys you're talking about in football too. Yeah. But running backs different too. Out of all the positions, they have to worry about their strength and their weight and their ability to take, you know, the pounding and all that. So they are affected by that aspect of where like right. hey, Dalvin Cook could probably go into seventh gear. If you said, hey, lose 20 pounds this offseason and run 4 2 2. And he'd go, okay. But then he'd probably be hurt by game three and be yeah. like, I can't run through the tackles anymore. Every time I, I'm hurt, my shoulder hurts, my hip hurts. So instead, he plays at, you know, 220 something. So he can take that and he probably loses a hair speed. But that's just the balance of that position and what you got to be able to do there. That is a shocking one to me. Though. Number three is another running back that we haven't even talked about Ooh. yet. Not even talked about. All right, not Aaron even, Jones might be up there. It's not Aaron Jones. Okay, hold on. Hold on. It wasn't Jonathan Taylor. I'm, it was Jonathan okay. Taylor. Did you mention Jonathan Taylor? I did. Taylor? I said it earlier. Oh, I, said, I said it real quick because yeah. when you said running back, I started That's to go That's what I it. meant. It's only one you mentioned real quick. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor. But that makes sense, too. Again, yeah. it's the freaky of those kind of athletes. Look at his legs and ass. Yeah. They didn't get that big for nothing. They, yeah. they can push, and they got power. And I think that's, for Jonathan Taylor, that's a really good omen for him. Yeah. Because it wasn't the kind of the idea of Jonathan Taylor is he's a grinder, carries the ball a lot, not necessarily the fastest guy in the draft two years ago. Maybe he was no. the fastest yeah. guy. He is. He's fat. I mean, he was up there. I, you know, what, he ran, I think, a 4-4 flat at yeah. 230, 
right? That's, that's flying when you're 230 pounds and you're running that type of speed. Okay, so you got to them. Yep. Who else are we missing? Nicole did, I, I Throw don't up the list. Nicole, Nicole go ahead. We can, I can show, look we can now. show it now. Nicole is revealing the whole list. So there's Mr. Oh, Naheem Hines, another track guy. Ooh, Naheem Hines. Yeah. Nelson I, Aguilar. Ooh, on a 19-yard kickoff return, Naheem Hines, he's telling me he got, got up, up to, to that, that speed. He got up to almost that just tells you, miles an hour. Yeah, wow. see, that, it also, that's another little thing. You know, again, it shows you these guys are more explosive fast than top-end speed fast. It's yeah. another thing we could talk about, why they're not great at a 100-meter dash. DK Metcalf's going... Russell can't throw it 100 yards. There's yeah. no more. There's no more <laughs> point in me running that route. Yeah. You know. So they they the NFL is a game where these athletes don't train in their life to be the best for opening up long speed from 50 to 100 you know yards. It's about getting out of the box, explosive four second you know four second explosions. Yeah. And that's where these guys are really special. Naheem Hines, especially that he's like go full speed in three steps. Wow, Mike Davis, corner for the Chargers, is on the list here. Yeah. That's a surprising one to me. 78-yard yeah. interception return. Huh. That's uh, that's against Tom Brady. That's uh, that's a good one. I I mean, he's I did not expect him to be that fast. You know what this is telling me? And you you mentioned you made some right. good points there. It's like we always look at those guys that blow the, the doors off the barn. Is that the analogy yeah. there? Cover yeah, off is. the ball, whatever. Right. And the 40-yard dash. And they throw up a ridiculous number. It's like a, John Ross is a guy. Yeah. And you go, wow, he never really turned out to be a great NFL player. You would take a little bit slower 40-yard time for a little bit thicker of a body. Like you mentioned with Delvin Cook. Like you don't want him to run the 4-2 no. and be 30 pounds lighter. It's like, so I, I guess we get enamored by that really right. fast time. Right. Like who's that guy out of Auburn, right? Anthony Schwartz, right? The guy yeah, this last year, yeah. Drafted yeah. by the Browns, yeah. right? So it's like he's super fast. 40 times, right. is it going to translate into a good NFL player? I, I, you don't know. You don't know. It's, it's, it's a blend there. It's definitely a blend. There's no doubt. You don't want a guy ever to be too tracky, too track speed-ish. Yeah. Right? I mean, that usually means he's stiff or doesn't have the ability to carry some weight or play through, like, contact. That's what people usually mean when there's, like, he's track speedy. It means, like, he yeah. needs to just be out in the race and high knees and perfect form, and yeah. that's when he's really fast. Don't get in his way. But no, as soon no, as you knock him off his, or do yeah. something like that, he's all like, wait, I need to get back straight and perfect again. And that's where a lot of great NFL athletes are special that way. You know, like DJ Moore, he's another guy that I thought maybe would be in that conversation. Yeah. Uh, Will Fuller. Will Fuller in his prime, no doubt. I feel like we're probably missing a DB. Jalen Ramsey would probably be another guy, I would say. Yeah. Defensive guys don't get a whole lot of opportunities up. to right. be a ball carrier for right. sure. So. Right. Uh, all right. That was good. There's yeah. some fast dudes in the NFL. Fast dudes in the NFL. One question from not my username 13. I've always wanted to know this. Who was faster, you or Major Applewhite? You would crush him. <laughs> that you, wasn't even a question. You would crush him. That was never, never a question. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, that was not a close one. He's still finishing. I mean, well, yeah, I don't mean, well, Major didn't go to the combine, I don't think. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I ran 4.8, you know, and I don't know what his, his would have been above five. So, disrespectful question. <laughs> <laughs> four eight's good for your size. I ran, yeah, four eight at two twenty five uh, at the combine. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I was happy with Although, that. Although when Mac Jones ran like a four eight, did that make you feel like it was a little slower? It, well, it, I mean, four eight is not fast anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> that is true. It's it's for already changed. Still, no, it's still pretty good. It's for still good. It's good. It's a good drop back pass 
quarterback type of number to yes. have, right? If you're yeah. a guy that's known to be able to run and scramble and do things like that, then you need to be better than 4'8". You're going to be the recruit QB. You're not going to be the recruit ath. You're not going to be ATH. No. You're not the athlete. Definitely you're the drop back passer, no. which is there's still a place in football for that. All right, so that was good. So let's, let's look now back and ahead at yeah. the same time. How do you do that, you ask? We're going to tell you. We can this tell you. This is the year in preview. Oh. So Pete and I were talking about this uh, over the weekend. We are trying to come up with ideas for the podcast because we're kind of in a dead period right now, right? We just finished the draft. Yep. Free agency's over. We haven't quite got to your top 40 quarterbacks list. Coming in two weeks. I was like, we're going to start it up. I was like, exactly, two weeks. <laughs> so we're not, we had to bring that up. We need something. Uh-huh. But I was like, in this little gap, let's, let's take a look back and see what, what we've learned so far in this offseason. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the teams that were at the top in passing yeah. and the bottom in passing, the top in running, the bottom in running, and the top in points per game and the bottom in points per game offensively and see which teams are likely to stay there, which teams are going to come out, sure. um, who might jump in there. Yep. Um, now, there, there was a debate before this whole thing. Yeah, I and like this. So Pete, let's and have I, it. Pete and I thought we should go with pass yards per pass play, yeah. rush yards per rush play, in the thinking like that shows more efficiency. It's not just who passes the ball the most in a game or runs the ball the most in a game. It shows you per play who's doing the best. You, on the other hand, came in with an iron-clad fist. Shut up. And you said, no, we're not doing that. I refuse uh. to be led down this path. But no, but seriously, you had some concerns, and you tend to go towards more of the pass yards per game, rush yards per game philosophy. I, I guess I do. I guess I feel like it's a little safer. I will say this. It's a good conversation to have as far as how you rank these or what you want to do. Now, I'll say with running the football, I definitely want to just go yards per game when I talk about that. Because I, I do feel like, you know, when you go into yards per play, it can be skewed by a scrambling quarterback or a team that just throws the ball a bunch and every now and then runs the ball. And, oh, yeah, they ripped off a good play, you know, yardage-wise on this one play, but now they're not going to run the ball for seven plays. Yeah. And I don't want to go to that because that does not define a top-end running football team. To me, a running football team is a team that goes, no, yeah, we're going to run. And you know we're going to run. We know we're going to run. And screw you, you're not going to stop it. So that's the aspect. Now, the passing game one, that's the one is where, hey, I, maybe I could have been talked into the yards per mm. attempt or yards per, per pass play, play type yeah. of thing. No doubt about it. I, because where the passing one gets skewed is, yeah, you have teams every year that are in the top five yards per game. But why? because they're down by 20 in the fourth quarter and have to throw the ball every play. So now their yards per game look pretty good where you go, yeah, but you're really not one of the top passing teams in football. You weren't good during the competitive part of the football game. You're good in the prevent part of the football game now where the other team's not playing defense. And that doesn't speak to it too there. So we ended up going yards per game. We did. But I do understand especially the argument in the pass game Yes. For yards per play, yards per attempt, yards per completion, which is actually the one I would prefer to go to. And I think you did convert me on the yards per game and the rushing aspect. Yes. Because of that fact that you're trying to, 
you know, running team is trying to wear down the other team. They're playing the long game, right? It's not about efficiency. It's about let's wear you down in the fourth quarter. This is how all we play, play football, right? Yes. Our offense, you know, are, are we're going to set you up for a long pass by just running, running, right. running. We're playing this way because of our defense. It's complimentary football. I yeah. mean, that's the way a running team is built. So, like, the great example, too, is just, like, when you take the top five running teams in football per game, it's yep. the Ravens, the Titans, the Browns, the Patriots, the Vikings. Yep. All five teams where you'd go, wait, they're coming to town? They're going to run the ball. Mm -hmm. And, oh, no, they're still really good at it. But then when you get into yards per play, the, the Patriots get knocked out of there, and the Eagles end up being the number three team in football yeah. at five-point yards per run play. You get help by the scrambling quarterback. The scrambling quarterback, and they would be the team, too, that I would have argued more than anything last year, you know, they were the kings of, like, why are we throwing the ball for the 42nd time with Carson Wentz? Let's get a little balance on this team. Let's yeah. run the ball. But instead, they opted to, like, jam six-yard completions in there. But because they played that way, too, it lended itself to teams always playing pass defense, and it lended it to the occasional, like, or here's a 70-yard run by Miles Run. I mean, Miles Sanders, Miles yeah. Run. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and I don't know. That, to me, does not speak to I agree. a top-end running football team, I guess. And I, I understand there's some room for debate there. But I don't know how anybody could watch football last year and think the Eagles are in the class of some of these other teams we just mentioned as far as a run game and imposing their will and doing it that way, yeah. too. So I, I think that's really important, though, because we always talk about how you know, numbers can lie. right? Yeah. We, we know that, but how do they lie? And in what ways? And what, when might a number not be telling you the whole story? I think that's all really important stuff in any sport, honestly, yeah, and especially right. in football when everything's so interconnected. Um, so I think that's a good uh, conversation to have. But you're right. This is your podcast. Your name is on it. And, and so we're going yards uh, per game. But we'll also mention the, the yards per play, too. So let's start with passing yards per game. And here was the top five. And you mentioned it, uh, part of it here. No, you, you didn't mention this one. But the top five in passing yards per game, Chiefs number one, Buccaneers number two, Bills number three, Texans number four. Yeah. And Falcons number five. Now, the Falcons is a team there where they're playing some garbage time football. No doubt. So the Texans, wouldn't... people are going to say that, too, about them, too. But I'm going to push back on well, that one. because, you know why? Because his yards, I bet you, came in the competitive parts they of football were number, Houston was number one. I knew in it. In passing yards per passing play. I, 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 don't, I don't doubt it. You know, again, the other aspect of them, even though they, it, it would look at base level to look at Houston and go, well, they can't really have been the fourth best passing team. That must have been garbage time stats. No, they came out throwing. They threw every play, and it was all on Watson to make the plays and do that. And they had no run game even to even right. counterbalance anything. But to still be that efficient, yes, number one in pass yards per pass play, despite not having a running game, I think it was in the middle of the year. Before the season started, you said they might be better without DeAndre Hopkins, ready? And I think midway through the year, you kind of had to take an L because well, the yeah, team wasn't doing the as team well. The team wasn't doing good. Tony Dungy and Rodney were all on me, like, going, oh, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, they'll be better on offense, right? We need oh. to revisit that prediction. I, I kind of brought it up at the end of the year. I, I, did, I, kept, I wanted to say to them a few times, you know, everyone keeps telling me Deshaun Watson's having his best year of his career. And then nobody, nobody tried to dispel that fact, even into the offseason. So I do think there was some good for Deshaun Watson and the yeah. fact that Hopkins wasn't there. wasn't best for their football team, so yeah. I was wrong with that. But I do think it made him grow as a player and made him have to, what do I want to say, 
you know, take other avenues to find success in the passing game instead of always like, what? I don't know what to do. Where's Hopkins? What? I don't know what to do. Everybody's covered. Where's Hopkins? Yeah. He was forced to play a little bit of a different style this year. And, yeah, I don't think it's garbage bullshit stats with the Houston Texans pass game last year. Number two was the Buccaneers. Yeah. And you might go, oh, that's the Tom Brady effect. They were first in 2019 with Jameis Winston pass yards per game. So they dropped <laughs> with Tom Brady. Dropped, but – Still aggressive, throwing yeah. the ball down the field. He made them more efficient. He did. Well, I know, mean, the turnovers were the huge That's thing. the biggest thing, right? But, hey, they're, that's what they are. They're aggressive, down the field passing. And, again, that's where, like, you know, yards per attempt can be a little misleading to me when you talk about just it. Because, all right, yards per attempt is misleading in the fact that if you're attempting a lot of aggressive passes down the field, mm-hmm. it's going to lead to some incompletions. You're going to get some zeros. You're going to have some zeros on there, yeah. right? To where when I think people see that, they think, oh, that must be a little bit dink and dunk if the yards are attempt are like that. Yeah. Where, like, he's – the Buccaneers were at eight. But I think if you got into, like, yards per completion and started to get into that type of conversation – Start looking at the air yards. Air, that's yeah. where I'd go, no, they're going to be towards the top of football. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't think – I wouldn't have any doubt about that. So that's where, again, it's a dicey conversation, but it's an oppressive system. You have a quarterback who still has a big arm. They can protect the quarterback. And, of course, they have weapons at the receiver position. And the Bills, they were third. They made a jump all the way from 26th in 2019 to get into the top five and get into third. So here's the question. Yeah. Who is, out of those five teams, the best bet for number one in 2021? So Chiefs, Buccaneers, Bills, Texans, Falcons. Of those five teams, who do you think is most likely to be number one in light of what we've seen in the draft and free agency and just knowing the teams and the progress they may make even without moves? I, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Hard not to. It's, it's just hard not to. It's, it's arguably the best pass-catching tight end in football, still the fastest receiver in and then the best player in our game is yeah. that quarterback. Who wasn't totally healthy at the end of last year. No, and still was awesome. And, you know, and with, with them is like, you know, again, you can have an underwhelming game and you're like, well, damn, he still threw for 270. Now, you know, it's, it, that's, like, that's a bad game for him. I mean, it really is. You know, and, and two, yeah, he just, the way the offense is called, it's made to play that style of football. That's what they want to do. So I have a hard time thinking that they're not going to be the number one yards you know, mm-hmm. per game pass team once again. You know, just like, hey, just take into like, uh, 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 like he threw the ball 10 more times and, or completed 10 more passes than Brady, right? And he, for over 200 more yards. It's just, it just tells you the explosiveness of what they can do at times yeah. and how they can rip big pass plays off and do all that type of stuff. Um, so it's, it's almost impossible not to pick them. Okay, Chiefs number one. Yeah. So of those five teams, which team is most likely to fall out of the top five? This is easy. I mean, I'm going to go with the Texans because right now I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to be their quarterback. And you don't th- you don't think he's going to be their quarterback because I, they're he's either going to be traded or, or not playing football at all. Yeah. I just think he's gonna, there's going to be some sort of something here. Yeah. I just the Texans got way too many questions, so yeah, I'm going with that right there, you know. And yeah, they're got a whole new coaching staff and everything like that. But again, like the Bills, I'm not shying away from them. 
not with Josh Allen and Diggs right. at quarterback and still got Coles Beasley and Gabriel Davis is going in the second year and Dawson Knox is getting better at tight end and you got Emmanuel Sanders. So I'm not going against them. You know, the Bucks aren't falling out, not with that group. Mm -hmm. The Falcons just added Kyle Pitts. It's hard for me to knock them out, mm -hmm. you know, and it's going to be a different offensive system and everything. Like, I, there's there's a part of me that thinks they could be maybe the team that gets knocked out too, but I'm going to take the Texans as far as that's concerned. All right, and the final question on the top passing teams is teams outside the top five, who could make a jump into the top five? So in 2019, Dallas was second. They fell out of the top five. Where did they end up going to? They I mean, didn't go that far. They didn't go that far. No. They went down to eighth yeah. last year. Right. Uh, the Rams were fourth in 2019. And where did they end up going to? Ten, 11, 12, 13. 13th, there it is. So yep. the 13th. Um, so which team? So the teams that You're hitting on some teams that I think are the contenders for sure. So the teams that just missed the cut of the top five, Chargers, Raiders, Cowboys, Packers, Packers were number two in yards per pass play. Yeah, the Packers are so efficient. Like, you know, again, this is where ball. it's a tough one. Yeah, they run the ball. You know, they, they opt to play a balanced style of football. Um, yeah, but I think if we got into efficient pass games and things like that, I'd probably go, yeah, the Packers are one of the most efficient. But they miss the explosive element that some of these other offenses have that we've talked about in the top five. That, their explosive element comes from – one guy it's the quarterback mm -hmm. you know the other guys here have the quarterback and receivers where you go whoa that's an, ex that's an explosive receivers and Devonte adams is really good receiver i don't want to go like explosive you're going to get 70 yard touchdowns that's not what he is so that's where it's a little different and that's why they're efficient that way too but like i think you hit on the main teams there that i at least jump out to me i mean the chargers the cowboys the colts and the rams are the four teams that i look at to go they have the potential to be top five, right? You know, you talk about the Rams, they're going to be a different spectacle with yeah. Stafford at quarterback. So they, it can prove everything on their football team. You know, I, I look at them, the Cowboys, of course, course, with Prescott being back and, and the weapons they have. The Colts with Carson Wentz, that offensive line, they're an aggressive passing offense. You know, it's not going to be Phillip Rivers. You're going to have to worry about defending plus 40 yards down the field with Carson Wentz. It's not, you know, it's, you don't have a guy that's aging and has like a, a popcorn arm. So if you're going to make me choose one team, though, yards per game passing-wise, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I am. I'm going to – I am. I just, they put it all together. They put it all together. Dak's too good. There's too many good receivers. The offensive line is good enough. I think they're going to have to still err on throwing the ball more than running the ball. I don't think they're a great run team anymore. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm copping out by that because I want to say Chargers. I love Herbert and what he can do. And, you know, it's going to be the new Saints offense out there. Uh, I want to say Rams, but they're so balanced at times, too. It's hard for me to always throw them in there. Right. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys on this one. Yeah, and the Rams have thrown the ball so much, it's almost padded their stats up there as one of the top five because Jared Goff – wasn't necessarily a great quarterback, but they threw it 50, 60 times a game. And so you can throw for 350 yards when you do stuff like that. And who knows? They might do that with Stafford, too. But It'll I be a different look and a different want, formula. Yeah, Akers came on at the end of last year. They yes. want to be more of a balanced running team, it seems like. A, a, more of a balanced running team. And, and, and they, I think when they want to throw the ball, they don't want to think like, hey, we got to run a bootleg and find another way to throw the ball to the guy in the flat for four yards yeah. and hope he has a good run after the catch. That's what their offense was. It was never, we would come in here and 
whoa, he threw for 300 and something yards, and then we'd look at the stats and go, well, he had the least amount of air yards in the NFL this week. Every yeah. throw was 3.9 yards, 4.1 yards, you know what I mean? Yep. And that's where they're going to change. And what they're going to do in then changing in that is they're going to put more pressure on teams. Yeah, okay, great. I don't know if it'll be, you know, every bit is quite as efficient and all that, but it's going to make their offense better, more explosive, scarier, everything like that, because you're not worried about just defending inside zone, outside zone, guy in the flat, guy in the flat, speed sweep this way, speed sweep that way. Wait, if we just defend that area, we're good against the Rams. Right. And that's kind of what happened against the good teams. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. I got five teams that really need to make a jump up, more than the Rams, more than the Cowboys, and those are the teams that finished in the bottom five mm -hmm. for passing yards per game. Uh, 28th was the Eagles, 29th was the Giants, 30th was the Patriots, 31st the Jets, and dead last the Ravens, who will be first in what we'll be talking about coming up next with rushing yards per game, yeah. but they were dead last in passing yards per game in 2020. So... Of those five teams, here's the question. Which team can make the biggest leap? Who can get out of the bottom five, you think? The Giants, Patriots, and Jets, I think, are the out of the five, the three that I go to. Like, I don't know about the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, that's, listen, that's not what they do. The Eagles. Yeah, their style. And they were a playoff right. team with this right. style. There's nothing. No, it's not broke. They don't right. need to fix it. You just would like it to be a little bit better. You know, the Eagles, we know they're going to be kind of into that same type of offensive system as well. You know, I really look at, I think, you know, the Jets, hey, Zach Wilson, I'm excited about that. But I think the Patriots and the Giants are the two teams I'm going to narrow it down to just as we talk here and do mm -hmm. all that. Yeah. Because, yeah, I do think Cam Newton's going to be a better football player this year. I do. I expect it to be him. And the way they run the ball, and I don't expect him to have COVID and all those issues. But I think if I'm going to do one to make the biggest leap in the pass game, I'm going to go with the Giants. Mm. I am. I'm going to go with the Giants out of those bottom five teams well, you, uh, if you want to say who's going to have the biggest net difference from 2020 right. to 2021, I'm going to go with the New York football giants. 
Another year in the Jason Garrett system, the weapons at receiver, right. offensive line should be better, Saquon Barkley back healthy. That might take away a little from the pass game, but it's going to make people worry about the run, too, to lead to some bigger plays in the pass game. Do you want to look over your left shoulder and change your answer at all to the New England Patriots? No. Is there no. anything that would make you want to – Give Cam. You mean my boss, who's just ball? a yeah. New England homer? And we'll change oh it once gosh. he walks away. But. No, yeah, nope, nope. The hell with him. The hell with him. He can't change my football thoughts. But wouldn't a healthier <laughs> He could fire me, but he can't <laughs> yeah. change my football Depending thoughts. on what you say here. Couldn't a healthier Cam just that alone get him out of the bottom five? Yes, yes. A healthier Cam with Jonu and Hunter Henry and Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne yeah. and another year of knowing the system. Like, yes, I think all of it leads to, like, that's why the Giants and the Pats are those two teams. They are. Only thing I think I look at with the Giants having the advantage a little bit more. Okay, he's walked away. You can stop. You can stop now. Yeah, you can stop. The only thing I just – I give the Giants a little more is the Patriots are going to be so good at running the football. Yeah. I have a hard time. I'm not sure how much greater the pass game will be. I guess that's where I question a little bit. So do you think the biggest for the Giants then, to make them your your answer, is that – is it Daniel Jones makes the big jump? Is it Kadarius Tony? Is it Galloway? Like who? I think what's it's the, the biggest weapons and then all together. The yeah. weapons, yeah. I mean, just had Tony Galladay, Evan Ingram, Darius Slayton. Damn, that's legit. And you know, Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett in year two together. Yeah, I, I think those are the two things. I mean, it's a huge year for Jason, um, Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones. They have no excuse. It's something we brought up last year with P. Make or break year for it's both of them? It's a make or break year for both of them. There's no doubt. Because there's, you're, they're not going to – there's the excuse of they're not very talented or they're young or those type of things. That's not going to be viable after the 2021 season. BG16 yeah. says, do you think Daniel Jones has the tools to make a significant leap this year? Yes. He seemed to be showing improvement last year before his hamstring injury. And I think, uh, Nicole, do we have a, a graphic on Daniel Jones? It may, there it is, the last two years. Uh, yards per game went down. Um, his rushing yards per game went up, although it would have been more if he hadn't uh, tripped trip that one time. Yeah. Uh, his TD to interception ratio was not very good last year. It kind of looks uh, – fumbles were better. It looks like he took a step back yeah, in 2020. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not any prettier. It's not. I mean, you know, no Saquon Barkley. They had the offensive line issues early in the year. They weren't great at that. They couldn't really do anything early in the year on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. I think learning that style of football, and that's why I think it is a make-or-break year for Daniel Jones. It's year four. I mean, what else do you want to say? And, yeah, I just think that he does have the physical tools and everything you need to be successful. Now it's, it's, we need to see some translation on the football field, you know, stop taking the hits and fumbling and being a little more efficient and making plays. And I, I think that should be – Definitely something that's realistic, at least for the Giants this year. Right. So when I was thinking about this segment, yeah, that went way better than I thought. Good, it could like that was really interesting. I mean, that was good. I good. liked it. That was really interesting I'm glad stuff. You're happy. You can kind of take a look at at where we were. I know <laughs> Pico's don't act so surprised. No, but I mean, it really it's it's a good like reassess. Yeah, yeah right. Because yeah, right. sometimes you you don't realize how good or how bad or where teams were last year until you take a step back after you the playoffs. talk about it a little bit. And, and look and see where, where teams have gone. Yeah. So I'm excited to do this next one now, even more so than I was before. Uh, rushing yards. Yep. The top rushing teams, bottom rushing teams in the NFL. Let's start with the top rushing teams. And uh, number one 
was the Ravens in yards per game for the second year in a row. They averaged 192 rush yards per game. Number two was the Titans with 168. So that is a significant it's gap. It's amazing. And there's another pretty big gap there between them and the Cleveland Browns, who are number three. The Patriots were right next to them at number four. And then the Vikings pretty close to the Browns and Patriots at number five. Um, so that those are the best that, running teams in football, it's, right? It's hard. We're not really leaving anyone out. I there. don't think so. I think this is pretty much what you see is what you get when you talk about this. Mm -hmm. You know, again, running the football is... Yeah, a good running team can just do it against anybody. It doesn't matter. That's what we are. We're here. We have enough schematics and physical power and can impose our will on you to make it happen no matter what. And that's where I think, you know, these teams are pretty special that way. They can do that. The Saints on the top five, uh, uh, at number six on the outside looking in, they're kind of close to being that one of those type of teams too, yeah. where it just doesn't matter. There's no mismatch on a week-to-week -week basis with their offensive line where they're like, oh, we don't match up good with these types. No, really, these, this group here is, is pretty damn special. All right, so is there any reason to believe no. that the Ravens won't be number one again no, next year? No, there's no – not with that co committee of running backs. Of course, him being special still with his ability to run the ball. And no Orlando Brown, I get it. But still, too many damn good offensive linemen and a good scheme in the run game by Greg Roman. So all of that – it's, it's almost impossible for me not to think they're going to be the number one run team in football again. You know how you talked about with Aaron Rodgers two years ago where he threw basically zero interceptions all year? Yeah. And you're like, I don't know if I like that. Right. Because you, I want to see you taking some chances. Right. There's got to be something there. Is there something with the Ravens where, I don't know, maybe you should sacrifice a little bit of this running game. Maybe you should put more investment into the passing game. A hundred percent. You're right. I mean, like I think what you're saying is like, like hey, it, we're up 28 to 10 in the fourth quarter, yeah. or 24 to 10 in the fourth quarter, something like that, where you're feeling comfortable. Like, do we need to see the extra 100 yards on the rushing stat sheet for the end of the game? Right. Like, like let's, let's work on the pass game. Or let's, like, be a hair less of an impressive offense for the regular season because we're working on that pass game to where if we get in a situation in the playoffs – Oh, wait, we, we're okay. We're a pass game. We worked mm -hmm. on it all year. We weren't always like just run, 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 run. Yes, I think you're totally right. Mm -hmm. There's got to be probably a little bit more of a give and take there, a little bit hair more balance so we don't get into the situation like you've seen the last two playoffs with them where they get down by two scores and you're kind of like, I don't know. Are they? Can they do it? This last year was better than the year before, but it's still like as soon as it became 17-3, to three, I think we were all like, ah, okay. Ah, oh, I don't know if they can really do this. A 10-3 to 3 with the Ravens against the Bills. We were like, right. can they go down? Okay, okay, yeah, they're going down. Okay, good, the pass game's going. They got it. Oh, pick six. So now it's two scores. They're screwed. Yeah. That's where it's just, yeah, they need, they need a little more in that department. They'll be the only team that gets up 20 points be like, all right, put your uh, three wide receiver sets in there. <laughs> Let's, Let's start just, throwing it. <laughs> wind this game down with some play action and deep throws. Uh, uh, so the Ravens, number one, think they'll be number one again yeah, in it, 2021. Mm -hmm. So of those five teams, who do you think is most likely to fall out of the top five? That's harder. It is harder. This one's going to surprise you. I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans. Really? I am. They, just, were, they were third in 2019, second last year. You think they're not going to be top five? I'm not, and it ain't anything to do with the running back. I know he's the best running back in the game. Yeah. There's no doubt. But I just look at 
you know, offensive line, a little bit in flux. Mm. They've lost a few players there. Taylor Wands coming back from ACL injury. You got a new offensive coordinator. You lost Corey Davis at wide receiver. Okay, so I look at those type of issues right there and just go, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Their offensive line wasn't as physically dominant towards the end of last year as it was the year before. You know, and again, I know it's really damn good, but I, I guess what I'm saying here is one of these teams has got to fizzle out. Yeah. I don't think the Vikings are going to with the Kubiak running scheme. They've drafted an O-lineman in the first round. The Patriots, I had no way are they going anywhere in the running game. The Browns, no way are they going anywhere in the run game. Not with that offensive line and those stable of running backs. Mm-hmm. And I just did the same thing with the Ravens. So I'm going to take the Titans to be that team to – to fall out. And the Titans the last two years, they have depended on the last month, last month and a half, two months to really pad those stats even more. Like Derrick Henry has gone off, right, in the last couple of Decembers here. And so if that doesn't happen um, and the first few months are just average, yeah, who knows? It could happen. But all those teams, really good running teams, should be good again in 2021. The question, yeah, if the Titans do go out or if any of those teams go out, who could jump in? Looking back into 2019, the 49ers were second. Your buddy Kyle Shanahan loves to run the ball. Seattle was fourth in 2019. So of all the teams out of the top five last year, who's most likely to jump in next year? That you hit, indicates this is a difficult well, This is choice. a difficult because there's a lot of potential for some teams here to be really a, like a better running football team. You know, we've hit on a few, but let, damn, I mean – yeah, you just talked about the 49ers, and if they start with Trey Lance and that offensive line they got, I mean, damn, they got Trent Williams, Lakin Tomlinson, yeah. you know, Alex Mack, Aaron Banks, second-round pick, and McGlinchey with those running backs and Shanahan and Trey Lance. Like, that, it, that, that's unbelievable. That's scary. So you got them. We already talked about the Rams. And, you know, McVay's going to run the ball, and now you got to worry about Stafford throwing 60-yard lasers. That's going to be scary. The Seahawks, I think, are a team to watch out for. They got a, a Rams offensive coordinator up there. They have improved their offensive line. You know, the uh, the Cardinals, a team that's very sneaky, the number seventh rushing team in football yeah. last year. Now, it's a misleading one to me. It's because of the Kyler Murray effect. Yeah. You know, it's good to have when your quarterback can scramble and rip off a 40-yard run and it'll make your rushing yard stats look pretty good. But they did improve their O-line. And then there's the Colts who we've talked about mm-hmm. and the Saints. So if you're going to make me pick one, I'm going to go with the Saints because I'm going to play the angle of Taysom Hill is going to be the starting quarterback, and they're going to have that element of the Baltimore Ravens type of offense to where with that O-line and where they're at, I'm going to go them as being the team that jumps into the top five. Cop out, I know, because they're number six. If you wanted a team that's farther out of that, yeah. I'll go with the 49ers. At 15, because I do think it's going to be Trey Lance. And if it's not Trey Lance starting, I think he's going to get on the field. They're going to have run game packages for him. they got to play him in some sort of fashion. He can't set out a football again for another year. So those would be the two teams I look at. But the Saints, again, Teron Armstead, yeah. Andres Pete, you know, uh, McCoy, Ruiz, you know, McCoy was, what, a second-round pick at A&M? Ruiz last year at a Michigan was a first-round pick. And then, of course, right tackle is Rams check. I mean, it's one of the best O-lines in football. I mean, if they do go full Ravens offense with Taysom Hill, I mean, they could be the number they one. Could. They could. They could challenge it. I just wonder if they'd go all, totally all-in quite to that extent. Yeah. But you're right. They have the capabilities of doing that. And Sean Payton, I know, was intrigued by 
this style of attack. So I'm sorry for the like not sexy pick. No, I think that's good. The Colts are another team. Like if you may, yeah. like I said, Saints, 49ers, Colts are the next team I look at too. Just because the offensive line's too good, Jonathan Taylor in the second year, and the Carson Wentz thing is going to be real. You know, especially if the receivers stay healthy. You got T.Y. and Pittman and Paris Campbell, and you know, Wentz can throw the ball down the field. That's going to loosen people up, and now the blue wall is going to be able to dominate up front to give Taylor some running lanes, and that's right. you got to watch out for. Opens up the field for it everyone does. else. It just opens it up. So those are my three there. I'm sorry if I seem like I'm copping out. No, those to, were good. So the, all those teams you mentioned there you think could have good running games next year. Here are the teams that were very bad last year at running the football. Tied for 28th, the Buccaneers in the regular season. Really didn't turn it on until the postseason. Uh, tied with them, the Jaguars, which is kind of surprising because that uh, undrafted James Robinson, James Robinson had yep. such a good year. Right. Uh, Lions 30th, not surprising because they're yep. always down here lately, ever since Barry Sanders retired, which is now like, what, three decades ago? I don't even know. Uh, they were 30th. 31st was the Houston Texans. They were throwing the ball a lot. And dead last was the Pittsburgh Steelers. And there was a good gap between them and the Texans. We're talking seven 80, yards. Yeah, seven yards. So 84 yards per game for the Steelers in last, 90 two for the Texans right ahead of them. Um, and the Steelers in 2019 were 29th. So we're going on a couple of years here where they have not been able to run the ball. Right. Um, so out of those bad running teams last year, who's gotten better? Who's the team that's not going to be in the bottom five next year? Well, it, they're interesting there. I mean, the Steelers are going to be better at running the football. Yes. I mean, that's what they're doing. They're going to try to get back to – they're going to try to do what the Bucks said. This is what I've been saying ever since the Big Ben – you know, retirement conversation. They're going to do that. Let's run the ball. Let's play defense. If it's one-on-one, -on -one, Big Ben can still throw it. Let's protect them and let him, let him, like, beat these guys up. Although you're not high on Harris. You're not totally sold. No, he's ability. not my favorite. He's not my favorite. But for the way they want to play and their new style, hey, I can get behind it. I'm yeah. excited for it. It might not be efficient, but they're going to try to they're establish definitely, that run. Uh, they are. I, I mean, I, to me, it makes no sense if they don't. It doesn't make sense for right. their whole football team, Big Ben, you know, play complimentary football. You know, that's the way they're built anyways, and I think that's the best way for them to win a football game and the best for Big Ben to play his best and extend his career. So, like, that would be one. Hey, the Lions are going to be – the 30th-ranked team are going to be better at running the ball. Yeah. With, with Dan Campbell and Penny Sewell, you know, that mean – and DeAndre Swift in his second year. And I would be shocked if Tampa doesn't make the big leap as well. Mm. I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with Tampa here. You think they're going to make the biggest leap? I do. I do. I just think they kind of found their groove at the end of the year as far as the run plays that they know they're best for their O-line and everything like that. And Fournette kind of found his groove. Ronald Jones has continued to get better and better. Uh, yeah, and I think that offensive line, another year of being together, they don't lose anybody. I, I, I think they're going to be a beast up front. They, again... They showed the ability, like we talked about with these top-running teams. They got in the playoffs, and it's like they spent all, off, all season going, like, hey, we're going to throw. Let's throw a little bit more, like almost like the opposite of what you said with the Ravens. Like, yeah. you know, running's good, but we got to get Brady. we got to win the playoff games. we got to throw the ball better. we got to get Brady more comfortable. Let's keep throwing it. Right. Yeah, maybe we should have run it here, but we need the reps. Let's throw it and do that. And I, I think this year you're going to see – a team that's going to feel more confident and going like Brady's comfortable. Yeah. We know how we want to use him, and let's let these big mean fuckers they have on their <laughs> offensive line just crush people.
speaking of mean dudes on the offensive line, Phil Williams says beyond the Najee Harris pick, have the Steelers fixed the run game in the draft? Will the O-line be able to keep Ben upright this year? So they're going to have a concerted effort to run the ball, like you mentioned just a second ago. Yes. But will they be able to do it successfully with the offensive line they have? I, 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 I think so. You know, again, it's, it's a tough one for me to you know, answer that question specifically. But I think the way I look at it, like more than anything, is, you know, there, there's, there's some guys on there that I think they are, are better than what we know about, right? Now, first off, like, hey, tackle, they got to Castro. Center position's going to be, we'll see who plays there. Hassenauer, right, from Alabama, who's in year two. He looks like maybe the guy that could be the, the one that fills in there. All right, but then they got... You know, um, Banner, who got hurt early in the year last year, who I know they think is a really good tackle and good player. Uh, Okafor, not bad player either, can play the other tackle position. You know, they got Dotson as a young lineman who played a lot last year. He can play guard, right? And then they can duel it out between everybody else to play the other guard. You know, they drafted the kid out of Tennessee in the third round, who I think is – oh, no, no, they drafted the kid out of Illinois, Kendrick Green. Sorry. He can, he's physically ready to play. So they're doing the right things. It's just now it's about, like, what's the plan they're going to put together? How are they going to attack being better in training camp and doing those type of things? So, yeah. yes, I think they are doing the right things. It's just the results got to show themselves now. We'll find out, like, week five or week six and how they're, how they're doing, how they're coming I, together. I think you'll have even a feeling before that. Really? You know, not to know necessarily the stats will match up, but I think we're going to be able to see really in like week one and two to go, okay, wait, they're trying to play a different way here this year. Yeah. And how successful, yeah, you're right. We won't know how good it can be to maybe week four or five, but at least we'll see which direction they're headed on, headed in early in the year. And what they think they can do, because that's a good indication, what they think right? They can if do. they're running exactly. those plays week one, they're like, okay, they think they can exactly right. be successful with that kind of philosophy. All right, so those are the best and worst rushing teams from 2020 into 2021. Now the most important stat in football, points per game. It's all about points per game. And so this is kind of a combination of, of a lot of the teams that we talked about earlier, but not all the same teams. So here are the top five in points per game uh, last year. Packers were first. Bills were second. Buccaneers were third. Titans were fourth. And Saints were fifth. Now, I think what's interesting is those top two teams, they made big jumps. The Packers were 15th in 2019, went all the way to one last year. And the Bills were 23rd in 2019, went all the way to 23rd. As we mentioned before, the Buccaneers, they were pretty good with Jameis Winston, at least with scoring points yeah. and throwing a lot of yards. Right. They he were might third. have gave the other team some points. But exactly. They yeah, too. Exactly. Right. But scoring points for his own team, right. uh, Jameis Winston and the Buccaneers in 2019 were third, just like Tom and the Buccaneers were last year. So, of those five teams, who's your best bet to be number one for 20? 21 and now we have to assume I, I don't know like number one last year was the Packers is Aaron Rodgers going to even be on the Packers I, that, that's year? where I, I can't I can't pick them because of that I just I don't really know yet yeah that way and if Aaron Rodgers is not on the Packers you're not picking them number one definitely not okay. <laughs> and, and even if he is on there at number one too yeah hey I, I have a hard time thinking I'm going to pick them number one again you know last year was a special efficient year you know by him the offense came, it was year two. You know, hey, sim- similar there. Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, year two, 
with an offensive coordinator, play caller guy, and it came together in a, in a much different way. Uh, Buffalo chose the way of throwing the ball and just giving them weapons. Packers and Rodgers just became more efficient and found their niche as far as the way Rodgers and Lafleur wanted to live on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. But, like, you know, that – I don't know. I have a hard time believing they're going to be able to. That's to me again is a part of the reason I go. I'd like it's it's always on Rodgers to be efficient and perfect and do everything the right way. It's never like, hey, here's a here's a slant route or a screen pass and the guy gets to run sixty yards and take a little pressure off you and do that. So that's why I err on no for them. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I'm going with the fucking Chiefs. It's Andy Reid. It's Patrick Mahomes, and they just went from having. The wor- one of the worst offensive lines in football, and now they have one of the best. So you're going – so the Chiefs were one, two, three, six, four, I believe, five, right? six. Yes. So you think that none of those top five teams are likely to finish – you think the Chiefs are likely to be number one. I'm going to take the Chiefs to be number one. Mm-hmm. All right? Was I cheating by, by not taking You did, kind of. You were supposed to just five? pick up those top five teams. It's the first time you've broken the rules here. Yeah. But that's okay. I like that. Well, though. if I wasn't going to take them, then I would go with the Bucks. just so you know. I would go with the Bucks as the being year the team two under the top Brady. Five. That makes sense. Yeah, year two under Brady. You know, I, and again, I think the Bucks are going to be a little bit like the Chiefs last year, where, like, you know, some years you go, oh, uh, well, you know, now they've won the Super Bowl, and will they relax? And they're going to have mm-hmm. the bullseye on them, and how are they going to react? Like, I'm going to take the same approach I took with the Chiefs last year and just go. With Bruce Arians, head coach, and Brady, I, I think they're going to relish being, like, the biggest show in town. Right. I do. I don't think it's going to mean, like, let down or anything like that. I think it's also, it's, it's like, last year was a jump-off point. Now they're like, we can beat anybody. We're good. We, we peaked at the right time. We know what we are. And they're going to, you know, hit the ground rolling this year. So if you made me pick a team in the top five, I'd go with the Bucks. You know, you love Josh Allen. Yeah. And all the Bills fans out there that know you know. like Josh Allen would have thought you would pick them. To make the jump. I'm only doing it for one reason why I didn't pick them. Why? I just th- I have a feeling that McDermott's their head coach, and he had to watch last year and go, what the fuck? we got to run the ball a little. Hmm. We can't just let Josh Allen every play just drop back and throw the ball. I mean, remember when they played the Seattle Seahawks and Pete Carroll after that game was like, I've never really had a team do that to me. They, they threw the ball every play. They yeah. were like, no run game. Yeah. We'll just keep throwing it. That can't sit well with McDermott. Yeah. You know, one, he wants to help his defense. You've got to have more avenues of trying to win certain games against certain teams and all that. So that's why I guess I think maybe they'll be a hair. They might be a more effective offense, yeah. but maybe a little less freewheeling. And It'll shorten the like game. That. They'll run less plays maybe. Maybe more just... big plays and things yeah. like that. But I do think there's going to be more of a concentration on running the game. All right, so you've, you've been complimentary to all those teams. I know. And I think I'm going to guess the team that you think is most likely to fall out of the top five. It's the team that you think might not be is able to run the ball as well next year, the Tennessee Titans. Is it, that it, true? Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, the Titans are just – I, like, I want to see, hey, you lost a really good tight end. You lost a real good receiver. Who's that going to be? You lost an offensive coordinator. You know, the offensive line is not as dominant as two years ago when we saw them go to the AFC championship game. They lost a little last year, and now I got questions going in this year. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, they're the team I look at to go, I think they fall out of the top five this year. Saints are a team I thought about, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, I just think with Sean Payton and that that offensive line and Taysom Hill, he's going to find other ways to, you know, accumulate yards and do things that way. Certainly possible 
more teams than just one fall out of the top five next year, but you think the Titans are the most likely to do yeah. that. Uh, teams that could jump into the top five, you've already put Kansas City in there at number one. Now, Baltimore was first in 2019 in points per game, and San Francisco was number two. So outside of the Chiefs, who else do you think, from what they've done this offseason draft, could make the big change? I'm going to go with the Browns. Okay. The Browns are going to be a team I'm going to look at to go watch out for them in all areas of their offense this year. You know, it's just, again, it's year two. Everybody's comfortable. Baker's got, like, the monkey off his back, so he can play and do that. They were 14th last year in points per game. So, yeah, you know, Odell, I'm expecting him to be back and a big contributor this year. I, I look at them as a team to go, you want a team that's not right there on the cusp of the top five? Watch out for them. I think they could be that type of team that jumps into the, the fray. And then the other team is a team that we've brought up in every category so far, the Indianapolis Colts. Mm. I'm sorry. They're just one of those teams to me that's the scheme is good, the O-line's good. I'm more of a believer than everybody else in the quarterback. Oh, and I boy. think the receivers are better, are better than people realize too. Wow. And you're going to feel even better about that. After you learn of this breaking news that has just happened. They traded for something? Chris is just learning this on the pod Are right now. Are you serious? I'm dead. I'm so excited. Is this the Colts? Colts. They traded for a receiver. They did not trade for anybody. They signed a player. They signed a player? Signed a player. Hold on. You're watching Chris. Like, look what, look, this is, he doesn't know what's signed happening Signed a player, here. a wide receiver? Not a wide receiver. Okay. What's An offensive lineman. Oh, my gosh. So they signed a tackle. Left tackle. Who's out on the market right now that I'm not thinking of? Played for the Kansas City Chiefs last year. So they got Fisher. Eric Fisher, wow. one year, $9.4 million deal. Nicole, thank, thank you. Thank you, Nicole. You got it. What a great – see, that's Chris Ballard, you know, not going to panic, not going to draft a guy just to draft him, you know, 40 spots ahead where he should be drafted just because we need the position. He had it all planned out. He knew what the hell he was doing. Damn. Eric Fisher, mm-hmm. that's pretty damn good. Now he's what? He's torn Achilles, right, in the AFC Championship game. So yeah, so you wonder about. He might not be ready table. to go to start of the year, you know. But they have other guys. They got Julian Davenport. They got Sam Tevy, who I think they felt like, hey, we can make it work with them. But now they can make it work with them and then go, okay, Fisher's ready to go 100%. Boom, week four, throw it in. And now maybe we might have the best offensive line in football. So that's big-time signing. Bonus. All right, so we like the, the Colts there. You mentioned the, the Cleveland Browns before as a team that you thought could jump in. Yeah. Into the top five in points per game. Right. This is a question from uh, Mike Earhart. Yeah. says, love the pod since your BR days. Thank you. This season, anytime a quarterback has become available like Rodgers or Watson, I see some media saying the Browns should take Baker Mayfield to upgrade, uh, trade Baker Mayfield yeah, to upgrade Yeah, that's the, the new thing. Do you think Mayfield holds the team back, or is this – overblown no it's overblown he doesn't hold the team back he was phenomenal last year you know I yeah I don't I don't there was everybody wanted to fire him early on in the year last year I don't understand that but man he's got the right way of how he leads the team he's got talent as you could see I think that showed you know so and he fits well with how the way they want to play and everything like that. I think he's a really good bootleg play action type of quarterback. So, no. I wouldn't give away Baker Mayfield for Aaron Rodgers right now with that team. I would not. And Listen, you know my, that's my guy. That's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I don't say that lightly. But it's like, you know, Baker Mayfield 
you got a chance to have a real stud top 10 quarterback for the next 10 years right now. You know, even if the Rodgers trade worked out, you'd go, uh, we got him for three, four years. You're going to trade away all that for the other six years of what you could be good with, with Baker Mayfield? Mm. No, I think they're building something special there in Cleveland. Don't abandon ship for anybody for Baker Mayfield right now. It's, it's, I, I like what the direction he's going. All right, so Cleveland pointing up. These teams last year pointing down in points per game. Uh, here was the bottom five. Yeah, who are they? Oh, Broncos, Ooh. 28th. Ooh. Bengals were 29th. Jaguars, 30th. Giants, 31st, just 17 and a half points per game. And dead last, the other New York team. Wow, New York football. That was exciting. 15.2 points per game. The Jets, who were also second to last in 2019. And the funny thing is, you got a lot of teams here in the bottom five who are also bottom five in 2019. They have two years in a row. Jets. Bengals, Broncos, bottom five, two years in a row. That's that's uh, yeah, that's concerning. It definitely is. I mean, the Jets. I expect a, a, a big time improvement. System, players, quarterback, everything. The Jacksonville Jaguars, same thing. You know, listen. I think you got a new coach that's new to the league. Urban Meyer doing that. That's good for some cheap yards and stats in itself. Let alone you got a better quarterback, a better run game. And, like, sneaky good receivers there in Jacksonville, too. So, I think you look at that, I go, they're going to be better on the offensive side of the ball. Like, there's no doubt about that. The Bengals, of course, I want to say they're going to be a different team. You know, the, the Burrow and where he's at to start the year and everything like that, I think, is the element mm -hmm. that I look at. I just question. So, I mean, again, if you're going to make me pick one team here, I'm going with the Giants again. The Giants make the leap. Giants make the biggest leap out of this group. I'm going to go with that. I am. It's dicey. All these ones have potential. Yeah. You know, because you get into the Broncos, too. I mean, of course, they got Aaron Rodgers. But right. they got weapons, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. Those receivers are special. Bengals, I'm, surpri I'm surprised for as well as Joe Burrow played last year. I know. Didn't. And as good as that receiving core was. Now, A.J. Green didn't, you know, appear – anywhere close no, to what he has been previously. Definitely not. Um, but Joe Mixon, you just thought with those weapons they had, and Joe Burrow didn't have a bad year. I, it was it's surprising to see them, them that low. Yeah, yeah, it and, was, and in the passing yards per play, I think they were down there. Yeah, mm -hmm. they were second or they were 28. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, there was no, you know, what you're seeing, okay, just what we went through today on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. You know, you see so many teams in the top 10 and everything like that. You know, and I know the Chiefs are up there, but really so many of them are balanced and they run the ball and they get people to creep up towards the line of scrimmage and it gives them the big pass plays down the field. And I think there's a common theme of that. I know there's a few superstar quarterbacks who like debunk that theory. Yeah. But when you really talk about like, you know, the, the best offenses in football, I mean, the Titans, the Vikings, the Packers, the Bucks, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Colts. You know, they all, the threat of the run game was real, which lends itself to other big plays in other big areas. Uh, and I, I think that's, you know, like we've talked about, I think one of the things of going into the future here, you're going to see teams continue to run the ball because these college kids aren't used to defending it, and it's the best way to create explosive plays. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. All right, let's get a couple of these Ask Me Anything. Yeah. I think it touches on what you were saying there and running the ball. Um, and by the way, that was fun. Off, that was the offensive look at the 2020 and 2021. We'll do defensive looks coming up on Wednesday. a later pod. Yeah, or the Are you doing week. that Wednesday? I think we might. I'm not sure what we're going to do. Yeah. All right, Pete's saying I think so. so yeah. That went so well, and we knew it would, that we're going to do you it. You sound two. kind of surprised. <laughs> we're going to do it two <laughs> pods in a row. Uh, but this question comes from the Step Back 512. And he says, how would you rank last year's rookie running backs going into their second season? So I think, Nicole, we have a graphic on the most rushing yards for the 2020 rookie running backs. Jonathan Taylor, of course, popped bigger than all the rest of them. Uh, There he is. If you're watching on YouTube, top of the list, 1,169 yards. Then it was the undrafted James Robinson, J.K. Dobbins, first-round pick Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and then Antonio Gibson, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, Zach Moss, which illustrates the fact, once again, you can get running backs anywhere in the, in the draft. Yes. You know, it's like, yeah, uh, Jonathan Taylor was a high pick, but wasn't the first running back off the board, and he finished with over 1,000 yards. Yeah. So uh, how would you rank those guys, Chris? Um, D- Taylor, I mean, listen, I messed up last year in my rankings before the draft. Taylor should have been one. He was my two behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He is number one. There's no, he's got too many special things about his football game. Yeah. You know, he's got elite power and elite long speed. So, and then behind that offensive line, like, I'm going to make him one for sure. Two, two is interesting here. It really is because, man, James Robinson will not be two. No. Travis Etienne's there. All right, so he's going to take away from Robinson's stats in a big way. Oh, right, right, right. You know what I mean? Travis, they drafted him in the first round. Dobbins, I look at, of course, Antonio Gibson, Akers, and DeAndre Swift are all viable options there. I mean, if I had to rank them right now, and that's what he wants, right? Just after rookie year, what I saw. Yep, re rank them. I'm going to go Taylor one. Cam Akers, two. Ooh. Dobbins, three. DeAndre Swift, four. Mm. Antonio Gibson, five. Wow. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. You've soured on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, I just, I wasn't in love with it is the way 
I would have liked it to be. Yeah. You know, uh, the production, it wasn't that it was not there, right? Over 800 yards rushing. Right. He had some through the air as well. Yeah. Is it that with all those weapons around him, he was just underwhelming? What was I, I think it was underwhelming, and I think there was like he would be the case of like I just felt like there was too many plays where I go, oh, there was some meat left on that bone. Like it was, yeah. you know, you with one guy, and you couldn't turn the corner. And I would go, these other guys I just mentioned turned the corner, and they got 40 yards, and you got seven because you just didn't have enough speed to turn it or do right. that type of stuff. Yeah, that's where, yeah. His straight-ahead speed and explosion was less than what I was expecting. I knew he ran a 4.640 at the Combine. I thought the acceleration would be good enough to still get him out of the box and get him away from mm-hmm. defenders. But, no, it, it was an issue. You liked his tape at LSU. Loved I mean, it. Like, I mean, he's obviously you had him the number one he's guy. my guy. I mean, he really was. But he had a little bit of what I've talked about. is like what I'd say the Peter Work syndrome. And not to that extent, but, you know, really quick, looks awesome, but what's different about the NFL and college is there's a, a lot more guys running 4-3 and 4-4 in the NFL. And in college, even though the fast teams are fast, there's still a lot of guys on the field running 4-6-5 and 4-7. And it's a different. So now I made a guy's break an ankle, a guy who ran 4-6, I broke his ankles. Now I'm on to the next guy. I'm breaking his ankles and I'm running. But like I've talked about before, you've heard me say it, like in the NFL, oh, I broke a guy's ankles. He ran 4-4. Now I'm going to the second guy. And I'm about to break his ankles, but damn, the guy that ran 4-4 that I already broke his ankles caught me from behind and made the tackle. Right. Like, that's where the game is different. And that's where he was a little bit underwhelming. And, yeah, I think from what I saw last year, that's how I'd rank him. And you've said that DeAndre Swift is a running back that surprised you last surprised? year. Surprised? Yeah, I was wrong about him. Right. I th- you know what? I think playing with Adrian Peterson helped him. Because it seemed like he – I don't know if he – he may have done that at Georgia. I'm not totally sure. But he ran with some gave, power and gave violence. Gave more attitude. I think that's what it did. He saw Adrian Peterson. He's like, whoa, okay, wait, that's the intensity I got to run with every play? Sure. Okay, I, I think there's something to that. You know, let alone he was with the coaching staff that I think was, you know, on him and doing that. And that's where yeah. I, I think he could have a huge year. I mean, damn, not a bad offensive line there. Well, that's, there's a question. Yeah. Brian G. Phillips, yep. after adding Penny Sewell, do you feel like the Lions could have the best offensive line? in the league. So how good is that offensive line? No, I'm not going to go there. Okay. But it, it, it has a chance to be damn, damn good. I mean, that, that, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you got two tackle positions. It'd be interesting to see how they really play this out. I mean, that, that's where I guess you get to it because they could, for now, you know, they could do a number of different things as far as we know they got De- Decker at tackle. And who will they play at the other tackle? They could play Tyrell Crosby there, who played there a bunch last year, and put Penny Sewell at guard for a year and then kind of reorganize. Yeah. Or do they put him out there at right tackle right away and then they figure out how they want to shuffle in the middle? But it's, it's got the potential. I'm not going to put him in top five right now, but it's mm-hmm. got the potential to be there because Ragnow's awesome. Yep. Decker, him, Crosby showed some. And I'm missing somebody else. Who the hell is their other – Starting a lineman that I'm missing here, off the top of my head, it's killing me. You got there. You got the Ragnow. They just locked Ragnow. Up. They just locked up. So yeah, I guess it's the center I was thinking about maybe. But um, yeah, they're 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 going to be a totally different football team and attitude on the offensive side of the ball. Okay. All right. All right. I like that. Um, all right. I think we'll do just one more. We'll yep. wrap it up with one more here, Chris. Yep. 
And I always like to wrap oh, it up. Oh, Holly Vuti Vitae. That's who I was mess- messing. Yeah. So they could put him at tackle or guard. Okay. Crosby could play tackle or guard. So they just got to figure it out. That's the name I was missing. Sorry, okay. everybody. Regardless of that, I'm still right. going to just ask one more yeah. question here. Please do. Uh, to wrap it up. Uh, but I do like that love for the Lions. Because I told you, I'm as excited about the Lions as I have been in a long time. And if they don't succeed, I'm not going to blame Brad Holmes. I'm not going to blame Dan Campbell. I like them too much. Right. They seem like good dudes. I like it. And if they fail, I'm going to blame the Lions' history for failing on them, for failing I thought, them. I thought we were going to blame their uniforms. <laughs> or their uniforms, yeah. they got to go back to the throwbacks. We need rebrand. We, they do need we're, a rebrand. We're done with the Bengals. We've lost that one. Now let's move on to Detroit. No, but really, let me gush about them because I did. Like, Dan Campbell comes in, right, and the whole kneecap thing, and everyone's like, oh, this is a joke. I love it. I, it's like, it's about time they got so, – give me a leader of men, right? Hire a smart offensive coordinator, which they've done with Anthony Lane. Hire a smart defensive coordinator. Give me a guy that can motivate a bunch of young guys – to go out and pound each other's heads in. Right. And, and I think that's the mold, what he's done. Like the mold of your city. Like yeah. just tough blue collar. Like right. Not fancy. We build cars and we, we, we screw down bolts and then yeah. we bite your knees off and have a beer later. That's like Dan Campbell football. I me? mean, that's kind of true because <laughs> I think Matt Patricia came in. I don't really know Matt Patricia <laughs> that well. But it kind of you come from the New England, you know, the air of like we're smarter than everyone yeah, else. Right, we kind of right. we know things that other people don't know. And I think you're already a little apprehensive on that. And then when they come in and they don't know things, you're like, oh, the smart guy that's not actually that much smarter than us. Yeah, right. Blue collar guys. Waste. What a waste of brains. So, yeah, I think that you're exactly right on something like that. Last thing. Yeah. I'll do a crossover here. little baseball question. Uncle Phil, big fan of the pod, but I think the world would love to hear about the three-win Sunday proposal. Have you heard about this? No. I, this is my proposal. And uh, Uncle Phil must have heard me talk about it. Uh, it's sweeping the nation. Three right? win what? So I did this on the Dan Patrick show, the yeah. one time I got to host. Right. And I said this on there. And because of that, I may never get to host again because no one liked it. But <laughs> Uncle Phil may have. I have a proposal. You know, the NFL is so popular because it's like one day a week. You're watching your team Sunday or Monday or whenever it is, Thursday, if you get stuck on a Thursday game. But baseball, you got so many games, right? Which is kind of good because it's like every night you can turn on the TV and there's your team. But what if we made one game every week just a little more important? So every Sunday across baseball, every game, Sunday game, is worth three wins. The most important game of the week is Sunday in baseball. I like it. You're on board. I am. I love it. You're right. It would add intrigue. It, baseball wants to get a little more like notoriety. Right. It, it is. It's the, the monotony of the season that wears out, especially the younger generation. Oh, it's another game. Oh, it doesn't yeah. matter. Right. I'll check back in 10 games from now. Exactly. You know, that's where they lose it. You're right. To where you have that, and it's kind of like that type of importance. I think there's something to that. I can get behind that. Pete likes it, too. Damn. And it would be like you could feel like you're a fan if you watched every Sunday. You're like, yeah, I miss some games during the week, but I, I'm watching Sunday. I, I agree. I would think that would improve their ratings. Yeah. You're going to get full stadiums on a Sunday because it's right. an important game. Any team that's even close to the top, you're going to get more changing of standings maybe too to where right. it keeps more teams involved. Like one team. teams won four Sundays in a row. <laughs> exactly. And they came back from 10 games back now or something. And you'd have to think about how you do the starting pitching and stuff like that. But I think there's a way to do it. And then you'd have Jacob DeGrom maybe pitching every Sunday. I think you're onto or something Or if you had here. a one-two, right. you know, two aces. Right. They'd go every other Sunday. Yeah, yeah. 
I think if they could do that and have a pitching shot clock, it would really help the game. Yeah, pitch clock, I agree. They got to have it. Time in between so pitches. I'm watching baseball again now, and I'm starting to see some pitchers where I just go, this is, it's too long. Right. My 10 year old, he's, he's gone outside to shoot baskets now because he's been here for five minutes and saw four pitches. Yes. Like and none of them were put in play. And, and right. So he's had enough, and now he's shooting baskets. So you've lost somebody to play baseball. I it's, agree. I wish they would do that because I love baseball. Same thing happened to my son. Yeah. I, he was watching the game. I was like, oh, he's going to try to hit it, buddy. And he didn't hit it. Yeah. And so. he's just like, okay, I'll see. I'll come back later and see <laughs> yeah. what's going on. Can you just DVR it and then show me the hits. I like your uh, idea. All right. I'm good with it. All right. So maybe we'll. Preakness this week. And then the Preakness this oh, week. Oh, baby. Yeah. He's back. We'll see if. Uh... You're going to be drug testing Medina, uh, Medina Spirit? <laughs> not personally. Oh, okay. I will not personally right, be doing that. I thought you might do it. Uh, Pete, Pete said at the top of the podcast, he was like, you should uh, tell the world what this is all about. So if you're not familiar, yeah. Medina Spirit, Bob Baffert, mm-hmm. trainer, has had some violations. Some fishy stuff, yeah, some, right. well, some fishy stuff, but yeah. always on the fringes. And uh, this time it might come back to bite him on the Kentucky Derby winner, Medina Spirit. I compare it to the Patriots, right, and Bill Belichick. You know, it's like they're... They're pushing the envelope. You know, I'm not going to say out-and-out cheaters. He did say he felt like Tom Brady after the the, the race. Is that what? Baffert. He Baffert? said it. Yeah. Because I oh, because like he Tom keeps Brady, winning. Right. Because now it, he won his seventh. He won so his seventh. Now it's in a different way. Right. He feels like Deflategate is hitting him. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's like you're always kind of pushing up against the rules, the boundaries. Yeah. And he's gone over the line a few times now. And maybe this is the last one. It's, <laughs> it's a strong. weird reaction he had, at least, where it makes me think maybe there's somehow he's innocent. I don't know. He did seem like shocked and disturbed it's, by it. I'm yeah. disappointed just because I want to watch the Triple Crown. Yes. And I, whoever wins the Derby, you want to feel like I don't. Have I want to root the next race. I want to yeah. root for the next race for whoever won the Derby. I, I always root for the. You know, just like yeah. let's keep it going. Let's the see Kentucky it. Derby wouldn't be as fun if after every Kentucky Derby we go. All right, he's the winner. Check he's, back next week if it stands. He's disqualified. Yeah, it doesn't we'll matter. See, we'll see you later, everyone. Yeah, I agree with that. That yeah. would not be as good. All right. Well, so. good luck with that. Thank I'll you. I'll be watching. All right. Thanks. Wear Chris. your periwinkle blue suit. It looks very cute on you. If that, I will. I might. <laughs> I might do that again. All right, baby. That's it. We're done. Chris Sims unbutton. You know we'll be back Wednesday. Defense. Uh, we'll talk about some of those top five defenses, where they rank, what's going to be happening next year. Big Phil, I think we got him for Wednesday for sure, too. And that's it. That's all I got to say. Top 40 quarterback list coming out in two weeks. I'm going to start getting the getting the, getting the the lab with the pen and the pad because here we go. <laughs> back in the lab, right? But, uh, oh, man, here we go. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. You bring this upon yourself. Thanks a lot. Thanks. No, you told them to do this. You're like, let's do the top 40. Uh, you the man. Clap it up. Clap it up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. 
Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.